So there's been only one story this week. If you followed international news or you followed any other sort of news program and it has anything to do with Japan, you have found out that Shinzo Abe, the former prime minister of Japan, probably one of the longest serving prime ministers of Japan, was assassinated. And that pushed any other news out of the way, which is completely understandable. It actually got me to thinking that it would be really hard to do Ninja News Japan in certain other countries because... Basically, I don't do death because I'm trying to talk about stuff and make fun of stuff. Uh, but that means if you're in a country where death is the main news story, uh, the, the old axiom, uh, if it bleeds, it leads, would mean it would be very difficult to do Ninja News Japan. I don't think I could really ignore this story because there's so much information. But then I actually realized I could do sort of a service and, and compile all the information because I follow multiple news sources. It's the only way I could do this podcast. And when it was going on, like I was having conversation with friends that it had been confirmed he'd been shot. And then uh, there'd been some reports that he was unconscious, some reports that he had no vital signs, some reports that he was dead and it was going back and forth. But because I followed multiple news sources, I could essentially confirm, not necessarily in real time, but in fairly with a certain amount of accuracy, what was going on. So I compiled all the news sources I have, all the different bits of information, and I can give you basically a good summary of what's happened and why it's happened. And I thought, okay, well, I'll do that. It's going to be very hard to make fun of anything. So who is this guy? There is sort of a, a journalistic trend of not promoting the shooter, not making them famous, but not saying their name. And I was kind of on board with that. Also, uh, I didn't write down his name. So you can see where my journalistic integrity comes from. It comes from basically how lazy I might actually be. We do know that this guy from 2000, I didn't write down the dates. He was in the Maritime SDF, the Maritime Self-Defense Force, which is the basically the Japanese version of the Navy for three years. He then worked at a factory and he quit that factory job in May because he was tired. Uh, when police did interviews with former colleagues at the SDF, they called him completely ordinary, which is not exactly a glowing review. I'm wondering if they did that. I guess once you've done that interview, his name's already come out, so they already know who they're talking about, so they're not going to say anything. They're not going to glorify him as a great guy. It's interesting. It's interesting because the people they're interviewing now know who he is and what he's done. So what they say... It has to be, it's selective. Everything's selective from the point when you know the person. If you walked up to me as a, as a police officer and like, hey, let's talk about your coworker, and I didn't know he'd committed a crime or done anything, I might tell you the truth and what I actually think of him, but once I know he's committed a crime, and specifically what that crime is, I might be less inclined to tell the truth. <clears throat> so, why did he shoot Shinzo Abe? is the next question. Now, I thought in the last few episodes of Ninja News Japan, I talked about how Abe was saying some pretty wild shit. He was saying that Japan should get nuclear weapons, that saying Japan should build up its military. He was saying Japan should, you know, be ready to take on other nations. Uh, not politically. He's like saying, like, look, North Korea and China, they might get out of hand. They might attack us. We have to, it's not self-defense anymore. We have to have proactive abilities. China freaked out. North Korea freaked out. 
justifiably so. Like the history of Japan in the military is a pretty heavy topic. Uh, but also, Japan's come a long way since then. It's actually like China is the aggressive nation in modern times. Uh, there's a story about that coming up a little bit later. So I immediately thought, this is someone who has a weird nobility trying to defend Japan from this dark future that Abe wants to... You know, that's the path that Abe wants to go down. Absolutely not the case at all. Uh, the shooter said... He, hold, he held no grudge against Abe's political views. So his political stance was perfectly fine. The arming the nation, the, the more aggressive, uh, amending the constitution, that was all cool with the guy as far as he was concerned with Abe. So, turns out the guy had a grudge against the Moonies, uh, of which his mother was a member. So his mother was a member in the 80s and 90s. She didn't quit, but she stopped going to... Uh, religious events and whatnot, but then in recent years started going back again. The Unification Church, or the Moonies, because it's run by a man named Moon, is considered a cult. And there have been some confirmations. Uh, The shooter said that the Moonies basically bankrupted his family. They ruined his family. His mother has been confirmed to have given massive donations to the Unification Church. The shooter believed that Abe promoted this religious group. Now, the only thing they could find was Abe had given a speech at a like uh, Unification Church organized function. And what he said was, you know, the Unification Church has brought Japan and Korea closer together in a way. Which is sort of promoting the cult, saying like this cult is promoting peace. And of course, pretty much cults always do say they promote peace. Uh, But that's a dangerous stance. Now, they know that he was angry at the Unification Church because he actually had a notebook. And he wrote in the notebook about how he was upset and he wanted to kill one of the religious leaders. He intended to target a senior church official who was supposed to be, in his view, at that political rally of the day. So basically, Abe was giving a speech. It was called a stump speech. He's basically, now he's not prime minister. His health was not very good. He was giving a speech promoting his party and his party's you know members. And this guy thought that this senior church official was going to be there, wandered around, didn't see the church official, and I guess just saw Abe as a target of opportunity. I was immediately frustrated because this I don't know how, I don't know how to say this. this is why you don't do death because I can't it's hard to say really shitty things. He just saw Abe. He's like, "Well, there's a high-profile guy, so I'll go ahead." And I think the problem I have is that that demonstrates that his actual commitment, his actual beliefs weren't there. Like, I don't, maybe I don't agree with people, but you can understand people. There's a a bunch of things in life. You disagree with it, but you understand their point of view. You understand their perspective. You understand what they're doing. My example that just came to mind is pretty gross. I'm not, no, God, I can't, can I do that? I mean, there's making fun of stuff and then there's just being gross and weird. So if you had a strong political belief, and I disagreed with your political belief. 
I could still understand your political belief. If you say, I need to kill someone because they ruined my family, and then you're like, well, that guy's not here, I'm just going to kill someone else, I actually don't understand that. To me, that demonstrates your initial commitment wasn't to the cause. Your initial commitment was just, I want to kill somebody. But killing Abe, who doesn't represent the issue that you have, doesn't also technically solve your problem. Not like killing the senior church official would have like dissolved the church and actually solved any problems. But it, at least it would have made more sense. So it really looks like this guy was just like, I wanted to kill this dude, that dude's not here. Oh, well, here's a dude who's really famous. So I'll kill him. I'll take a shot at him. So the next question is, how was he able to do this? So, of course, uh, probably one of the more famous things about Japan is the incredibly strict gun laws. Well, he didn't have a gun. He made a gun. When the police cleaned out his house or apartment, they actually found the notebook that, where he talked about the church and how he wanted to kill this church official. They took a computer. They didn't say anything about the computer. Um, and they took five homemade pistols. Now, the thing he used looked like a stubby shotgun. So it had two tubes. It was all taped together with like duct tape. Uh, he built everything himself. He basically made the pellets. He'd made the gunpowder and he packed it all together. How did he learn how to do this? Again, my initial thought was, well, he was in the military. So maybe they taught him how to do this in the military. No, he actually went on YouTube and he learned how to make the guns. He actually tested the guns on uh, the day before. He also attempted to making a bomb, but he basically failed at making a bomb. Now, the police, there's a, oh, there's a couple of separate issues. It's hard to organize all this. So the police, what they're concerned about right now is copycat crimes. Now, the, a few years ago, there was a guy who walked into an animation studio and set the whole place on fire. He killed like nine, ten people and injured dozens, and he actually ended up dying himself from the burns. Uh, there were a few copycats, and there's people setting fire to stuff, and then there were copycats of that. There was a guy who dressed up like the Joker, I think it was a year ago and set fire to a train and tried to like hurt people and stuff. And they were about copycats. Those are simplistic. Building a gun is not that easy and building a gun that works is not that easy. So I actually think there's, there's, I mean, it's a significant concern because yes, you can 3d print a gun. You can build a gun. This guy had basically had tubes and, and made a trigger system himself and it worked. That's actually, to me, the scariest part. I actually think if you said, tasked me with watching YouTube to make a gun, I would make a gun and it would blow up in my face. More likely, or actually most likely at all, I would pull the trigger and just nothing would happen. Because I wouldn't, I would just make a mistake. The best he could do was have two shots. And he did get two shots off. The interest, I guess interest, the scary part is that they were three seconds apart. So he shot... And I don't know if he had to reset anything, but then he shot again and it took three seconds. And this is where the police's failure, the secret, essentially the Japanese secret service, they were talking about how the lack of the security was uh, during the shooting. And the concern there is that are the police capable of keeping prime ministers and what secure? So in Japan, it's not like they have bulletproof glass set up or everything. Politicians get down into the audience and they'll like shake hands. Politicians get down into the group and they shake hands and they, they like talk to people directly and stuff. So there's this 
overwhelming sense of security for the Japanese population because people don't have guns, so there's no real need for the security. And I watched the video, and the first shot goes off in his homemade shotgun. And everyone kind of just stands there. And I think it's because they don't realize it's a gun has just gone off. And the security is not really looking at the guy. It's the second shot is when people start reacting. And I think it's because they've never had a real experience like this before. There was an interesting thing. I watched the video. It was weird to watch because Abe got hit by the first shot, but he didn't fall down. Nothing happened. Now, I was reading about security. What they should have done was after the first shot, they should have grabbed Abe, put him on the ground, and all the security dudes should have covered him. And then whoever's left over should have gone after the shooter. The, the first time, they just all stood there, probably wondering, was this fireworks? Did something happen? I don't know. Then when the second shot happened, or when the second shot was going to happen, you actually see a guy throw a briefcase up in front of Abe. Now, it wasn't open. And that seemed like a weird thing to do. It turns out that briefcase is lined with Kevlar. So he was attempting to throw a Kevlar shield up in front of Abe. But of course, if you open it up, it's double-sized. So you could actually cover maybe his head and chest. Uh, But this happened so quickly, the guy didn't open the briefcase so he just threw this small briefcase up i think it was around abe's head uh the actual reason abe died was he bled out uh they put in i thought it was like 17 gallons or 17 liters of blood didn't actually realize i I know i knew this fact way in the past but i'd forgotten how much blood is in the human body it's about five liters they put in three or four times more blood back into him so he basically just bled out The man was already in bad physical shape. He had a bad heart. He actually quit being prime minister because of health reasons. So there was a big failure on the security services to actually save Abe from this. But I think this is, again, comes down to experience. They've never experienced a situation where they've actually had an active shooter at a former prime minister or a prime minister at all. There's going to be revisions. There's a a huge concern about copycat crimes. But I think the real thing is copycat crime. <laughs> copycat crimes in this case would require a significant amount of initiative that most of these people don't have. I did see, this is what I was waiting for more than anything else from America. I saw a post, I think it was probably on Facebook. It was one of those things where it was like made like a, a fake poster. Prohibition fails as it always does. Talking about, you know, Japan has such tight security, but bad guys still got a gun. And if good guys had guns, they would have stopped them. Completely not the case. Because I bet in the school shootings, there's a couple of issues. If you have to make your own gun, first you have to have the initiative to make your own gun. You have to, you can't just go down to the store and buy like a high-powered rifle with a, a you know, 50-bullet magazine that you can then just blast across a room. You have to, you have to make the bullets... So, again, you're now limiting the ability. This is, again, sort of goes back to the musket argument some Americans have made. Like, the whole everyone should be allowed to have a gun was back in musket days where you had to, like, pack it. And you could only shoot, like, two, three times before you had to, like, rebuild the whole gun. This is very similar. This guy had two shots. And it meant, like, the most damage he could do was take two shots at someone. And, yes, he did unfortunately manage to kill someone, but he couldn't keep going. The security services had guns. They didn't pull them. They Again, Japanese police and stuff, they're not trained to pull their guns and shoot people unless it's absolutely necessary. So they took him to the ground. Uh, they didn't know if he had more guns with him. 
But they took him to the ground and they held him and then they arrested him that way. I would bet the, again, so like the sheer volume of people who die in an American shooting incident is so much higher because they can buy high capacity magazines for automatic rifles. Um, and the arguments there just fall apart. But I knew that I knew that post was coming. So actually mentally I was already prepared for it. It's already been 20 minutes. I'm going to do a couple other stories, but there aren't that many because really this week there was only one news story and that one news story was a Japanese former prime minister was assassinated by a man with a homemade gun. Uh, Since that has to do with politics, he was giving a stump speech, which is a speech on behalf of other politicians that are running for uh, government. Who, Who did win and who didn't win? Uh, the majority, the, the guys who were in power stayed in power. That's about it. Uh, interesting, a manga creator joined the House of Counselors, Kem Akamatsu, who created Love Hina. He voted in. And one of his platforms was he was concerned about freedom of expression. Now, freedom of expression for manga creators tends to be a very specific kind of freedom of expression. So I'm very interested in what his speeches are going to be because it's like, hey man, anime boobies, we can't restrict those. Uh, 35 women were elected to the upper house, which is record-breaking, which is actually great. You know, I'm a big proponent of getting rid of all the old men and putting in place anyone else, essentially. But putting a bunch of women in there is going to be really good for Japan. Uh, the previous records were 28 in 2016 and 28 in 2019. So 35 is a big increase. Hopefully that will continue. A YouTuber named Gassy, who is famous for exposing celebrity scandals on YouTube, also joined Parliament, but currently lives in Dubai, which actually demonstrates the power of the internet. There's actually been another, there was a lady who ran for government while she was living in a different country. I don't know if she has to come back or if she can just continue to do it remotely. Because if you consider this, what I do right here, I live in Japan, yes. And that is one of the reasons that I focus on Japanese news because it's around me all the time and it's, it's important to me and I talk to people in Japan. So of course I want to be up on Japanese news. At my company, I teach a class and that class is focused on news. So it, I think it's really important for me to have relevant knowledge to the students. So I just read a lot of news about Japan. I could do this exact podcast from any country in the world. I have my news sources. I read my news sources. I can just throw them up. Uh, I read them, I compile them, I break them down, I try to cross-reference stuff to make sure that what I'm saying is relatively accurate. I don't need to be here to do it. Politics is very similar. I need to be aware of the issues. I think it is important to be aware of local issues if you're in charge of a local thing, but a lot of these like lawmakers and stuff, they don't. it's not relevant to a single city, it's relevant to the country. You don't really need to be in the country for that to be effective. So is Gassy going to remain living in Dubai? And then this other lady I read about, I don't remember her name, unfortunately. I wasn't going to do it as a story, so this is just off my memory. But she, I think she lives in Thailand. And she ran online and won. And now she's like, uh, maybe I could just run from here. Because it's now getting to a point where you don't need to be in a country to care about a country and try to take care of that country which is an interesting new phenomenon where you could have all the best leaders from around the world who just care the most about Japanese stuff, which then would imply, do you need to be Japanese? Because maybe I, I care about Japan. I'm not Japanese. I can't run for government. That is now becoming almost an outdated concept. 
Because if I care enough about a country, if I can prove to the people that I care enough about a country, could I not run to help run that country and become the first virtual prime minister of Japan? My avatar being a cute anime girl created by the creator of Love Hina, who is now on my... Uh, get citizenship. Uh, if you uh, get citizenship, you still... I, no, no, there is a Swedish guy who was in parliament once. So I guess that is true. You could get citizenship and run. I wouldn't want to do... <laughs> I actually wouldn't want to give up my Canadian passport, which is one of the things they do uh, in Japan. If you become a Japanese citizen, you have to give up your previous passports. Uh, I, if, if you could have dual citizenship, I actually might have tried by now. I don't know if it would be worth it. Because once you get permanent residence, I can't vote. I guess that might be it. I, I can't vote, and I actually would vote. If I, I actually had a friend talk to me the other day. She's like, aren't you a permanent, did you vote? And I said, no. And she goes, aren't you a permanent resident? I said, yes. She goes, well, why didn't you vote? I'm like, I'm actually not allowed because I don't have Japanese citizenship. There's a difference between permanent residence and Japanese citizenship. So I am a second class citizen by that standard, uh, but I'm fine with it because becoming a first class citizen in Japan actually removes some benefits from being a citizen of another country. Japan... Uh, again, this actually leads into some of the other stuff I said at the beginning, is considering amending the Constitution because of increased global threats. Now, increased global threats is just uh, a phrase in Japan for North Korea and China getting aggressive. North Korea, China is the, actually the bigger concern, but it's the more sensible country. North Korea is the wild card Less of a threat overall, but could do something really stupid and just set everything off. So those are actually the two big concerns. Kishida won, and part of his platform is that uh, it maybe it is time to amend the Constitution so we're not just have an SDF, that uh, we, we actually are able to have strike capabilities. So they're not talking about invading nations. They're saying if North Korea wants to shoot missiles at us, we should be able to destroy those missile facilities from here. Now, I actually think this is a big concern because this is where all my, my Gundam theory comes in, where they're going to create platforms to move weapons around the country, and they're like, well, it would be really more effective if those platforms could fly. And, it, you know, the pilot, being able to move like your own physical body would be more natural and effective. So this is just the first steps to creating the first gun, rail, uh, Gundam. And then I almost said the word railgun because the other th thought in my head is, Japan is developing railgun technology where they shoot a, just like a bullet, essentially, but it shoots so fast that it just destroys everything that gets in its way, which is also a very Gundam idea to me. China is warning that this will lead to a remilitarization of Japan, and they hope that Japan continues down the path of peace, which I found weirdly ironic because it's almost like China's a bit of a bully, and they're going like, you should remain peaceful so that you can't fight, against, fight back against us being sort of bullies. And I was like, yeah, that's a very Chinese sentiment. They are very concerned about this because if Japan does take on a harder, more militaristic stance, they would be the country that could fight back against China. And that's not what China wants. So China's like really encouraging Japan to remain peaceful and, and pacifist. But I, they're doing it in the worst way possible. Like if they would do it like... Let's be peaceful together. I think that's actually the great thing. But they're like, no. They're like, if you get militaristic, we're going to attack you. They don't say, it, of course, that bluntly. But they're like, we're going to like, we're going to, to put pressure on you and bully you and all this kind of stuff. But it's like, 
The bully is the reason why I need to get militaristic again in the first place. So if China would just chill out and be friendly, I bet a lot of this stuff would go away, which is exactly what China wants. But then China can't turn around and be like, yeah, but we don't want to be nice to people. <laughs> I don't know how to, how to phrase that properly, but I think, I think the, the, the idea is there. That if the steps Japan is looking at taking now are a result of China and North Korea's behavior in the past, and it's China and North Korea are the countries that want that to happen least. Three elementary kids, so we're getting to just sort of back to Ninja News Japan style news. Three elementary age school kids were sent to a child consultation center, which to me sounds like it's like the same as re-education. This is very dystopian sci-fi naming of your, your facilities. If I ever write a dystopian sci-fi thing, it's going to have the child consultation center. Uh, but they did get in trouble and they did bad things. They set fire to a motorcycle cover. So there's a, a motorcycle. Uh, bicycles and motorcycles all park in this like bicycle parking lot. They were playing with matches, and they set fire to a motorcycle cover, which was covering a motorcycle at the time. The fire spread and ended up burning 38 motorcycles slash bicycles. Now, they didn't give us like a, a number. I actually wanted to know how many... Mo- the motorcycles are more valuable, so I was more interested in how many motorcycles ended up burning. And they have gas tanks. So there is the, very, there is the, the chance that those things explode. Uh, that's the whole story. Is just child consultation center because of course they're underage. They're not getting arrested. They're not going to jail. Uh, hopefully they have learned their lesson about playing with matches. I started a mini forest fire when I was a kid because my friend and I were playing match with matches in the forest, and it got well at it. Like we had a nice fire going, then it got well out of hand as it started catching on other stuff. Uh, we started trying to put it out, and we couldn't do it fast enough. So some men heard us like screaming and they ran out and uh, put it out for us. Basically they asked us who did this and we like immediately went with like, Oh, there were some other kids playing with matches and we came over and tried to stop them. I never played with matches again. That was terrifying. So I'm hopefully these kids again, innocently have learned the same thing. The mayor of a, of a town bought a chair and desk and he paid 1.9 million yen. And he got a lot of criticism because he actually used government funds to pay for this chair and desk. Now, here's the thing. The chair and desk look like shit. The desk is not a desk. It is a picnic, a mini picnic table, and the chair is a wooden chair. Now, obviously, these were, like, handmade. That's why they're so expensive. But if I had to work in a chair all day, that's not the chair I would choose. And if I needed to work at a desk all day, that is not the desk I would choose. So for me, the more offensive part was... The incredibly poor lumbar support and the fact that the desk was minuscule. Why are these costing 1.9 million yen? Look at that. Ah, man, look at that. So this does look like a camping picnic table. And it looks like a very bland chair. This is 1.9 million yen's worth of material according to the mayor who bought it. That's how much he paid. So he thought, ah, I'm going to get rid of this and pay the city back. So we're going to we're going to do an auction and we're going to do the starting price of what I paid, 1.9 million yen. And they actually sold this incredibly lame desk and chair for 3 million yen to an architectural firm. 
<laughs> but he knew the person who made it. That's actually probably true. So it's like a backhand deal. That is also probably true. But the fact that they were able to sell it at an, a significant profit and all that money is going to go back into the city. And the guy says, I will not abuse city funds again, which I have trouble believing. Uh, but whatever. I can't really argue with him. It's just, it's such a shit table and such a shit chair. <laughs> I would have paid 10,000 yen. And that desk is so small. Like my desk that I'm working at right now is a metal frame with a glass tempered tabletop. So you can see through it. It's actually quite sexy. Uh, it's bigger than that. And it's not that big. Like I actually have been recently thinking I need to get a second desk so I can make like an L shape so I can have more space to my left and like keep books on it and stuff. It's anyways, if you are going to spend 1.9 million yen on a desk and chair, you better get a pretty fucking sexy desk and chair. That is the Ninja News Japan stance of this week. 